Here we are. Thanks for coming over, Jay. Hey, pleasure, man. It's nice to be here. It's weird not doing it through the laptops. Well, you're in the same position that you would be with if I was doing it. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I just mean like the, the the whole setup seems so much more live all of a sudden, as yeah. opposed to well, because we're we're in the flesh, we're alive. Mm. Um, we're living in living color, and your your cat is walking around. She's eating some food now. You can probably hear her in the background, maybe munching. Um, yeah, she's she's gonna fill up now and probably do some poos while we're doing this. So oh, that's gonna be great timing. <laughs> yeah, great timing. Which yeah, look there she goes. Yeah, the box is that way. On this week's episode of Fifty Flicks of Grange, eh, we dive into the new Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams Netflix film, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, which chronicles the journey of Eurovision hopeful Lars and Secret from their small Icelandic town to the main stage of the Eurovision finals. Plenty of fun and banter ahead as we also discuss My New Cat, Varda, the old school art of bootlegging VHS and DVDs, the joy that was Eurotrash and sex cetera, the truth behind Irish folklore and leprechauns, and the batshit crazy stunts of Tom Cruise. As always, spoilers ahead, fool. And a big thank you to all the listeners, our friends and family for their support, and the super talented Dan Monaghan, who produced all of the original music for the podcast. Follow the link on our Instagram description and check out his stuff. Hope you enjoy. She's, uh, you know, she's pretty chill and she's, she seems to like you. She's a very friendly cat. Yeah, I've, I've, I've learned how to be more gentle around cats. Why are you temperamental? I just find like cats, I just, I don't know, there's something about dogs where like they enjoy your energy and you can be like very rough, you can be very high energy, but cats, I think mm. you need to learn to be like really chill, and, like, yeah. present and like they can, I don't know, if you just slow down your thoughts and your movements, yeah. the cat will come to you. Um, but yeah. She's super funny. Oh. Yeah, things can escalate very quickly with a cat. Like the other day, I was uh, after having a shower and I was putting on. She was sitting on the bed and I was getting dressed next to the bed, and I sprayed some deodorant. And obviously, some of this deodorant had like fallen down, and she got a whiff of it, and it kind of freaked her out. So she jumped off the bed onto the window. I was like, why are you freaking out? So I kind of climbed over the bed towards her and then she got freaked out more, ran under the bed out into the hallway and then suddenly I was kind of running down the hallway after her being like, what's, what's wrong? Why are you freaking out? And then she like dove in behind the couch and I was like, whoa, this has escalated so fast from her just chilling. You know, it's just mean? this cloud of potent odour she has <laughs> never experienced before. It was, but like suddenly, imagine from her point of view, suddenly there's this weird smell and then like this giant thing is chasing her down the hallway. Yeah. And she's like, I need somewhere to hide. Like, I need to, God knows this. And I used to feel like that in school when I'd be in the change rooms and every lad would be spraying their armpit like they're like, like they, like they're covered in shit. Like they just had a shower and they're like, yeah, I couldn't breathe. That was just one armpit. Yeah. That was too much. So I get where she's coming from. I'd run away from that too. That's, yeah, I remember, I remember those school days. School days. Let's make a note for school days. <laughs> school days were the best day. Okay, so we're going to talk about yeah. the Eurovision Song Contest first. We're going to be kind of more strict. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we're developing the podcast. We're moving it along. It's evolving as we do it. Yeah. So we're going to aim for the first half of the show to be strictly trying to talk about the film at hand or the show. And then the second half 
It's not going to be bullshit. It's going to be talking about outrageous stuff from our childhoods, from the present and the Wait, future. What? Was this my counseling session? Hey, we're going to do this. Is, I don't I'm not dealing with the children. If you give me good material, I won't charge. <laughs> okay, great. You know, but you won't feel no better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so this, this week we're doing the Eurovision Song Contest because I already watched it and Jamie hadn't. So that is easier correct. for me. Um, you watched it with family. I did not. Oh, you didn't? Oh, yeah, so you watched it with a friend. Neither. You watched it alone. I watched it alone. See, this is like therapy. (laughs) And why were you alone, Jamie? (laughs) How did that make you feel? (laughs) How often are you alone in these... uh... No, do you know what? I I wanted to watch it with my parents. I thought they'd have a a good laugh watching it. But my dad had already seen it. Oh, really? He was like, oh, no, no, stupid. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? He was like, I already watched it, stupid. I was like, oh, okay. He's not wrong. It is stupid, but it's stupid in a good way. It's a good stupid. No, mm. I didn't think, like, this is too much. This is too ridiculous. Um, no, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like, I guess, you know, we were cheated out of not having one this year. Well, it's funny timing mm. that the, this has existed since, what, the 60s? Or the 50s? I'm, I'm not sure how far this got. We've obviously done a lot of research. Mm. Um but it goes back decades, and then one of the first times it's been cancelled is the year that they have the film coming out, which is just fantastic advertising for it. Yeah, you could not... You, could, you, you couldn't, couldn't have planned it. They were making this That's so two, three years ago, they started mm-hmm. making it. So obviously, unless there's a conspiracy and they knew the virus was coming, and the Eurovision people are in the centre of this Illuminati conspiracy... Um, other, otherwise it's just a coincidence you mean like just how like that uh, Netflix released that was it a documentary the pandemic pandemic it's called pandemic yeah I watched mm. it I watched all of that that was interesting timing as yeah, well I binged that? that and I can't even remember it. yeah I mean yeah it was funny, it was mm. funny. it's a bit redundant though because it kind of becomes boring at a certain point because you're living it because it's not as relevant because mm. it's like oh it's an in-depth documentary about something that could happen and you're like oh it's happening mm. so it's kind of old already yeah right you know yeah you give me a new fear it's good though the start of that documentary has stuff about the uh, 1918 the Spanish flu that's really creepy mm. some guy being like oh there's like mass graves here he's like in a field he's like oh there's actually mass graves here from the is it 1918 or 1920 it was 1917 no that was the war 1918 was the Spanish flu wasn't it mm. 19... 1918, um, 1919, something like that. It was like 100 years ago. It was 100, yeah, because yeah, I remember someone sending me, like when this whole thing first hit Ireland, so, like some guy sent me, I was like, I didn't respond, I just wasn't ready for that shit. <laughs> that conspiracy kind of shit. But he sent me some type of meme that showed like every 100 years, mm. some type of a global catastrophe, and he's like, it's a planned thing, you know. 18, 1880 something, there was some other sort of outbreak or something, I think. Which isn't exactly 100 years, but like, yeah, it comes roughly... The virus is in. Everything's in a cycle. You know what I mean? We can have, we have seasons yearly. Why not? Yeah. Viruses. Centurally. It's a, yeah, a century. What, what's the word for that? I don't know. In a, a millennium. And there's a century. And there's a decade. And there's a year. And a month. And a day. De- I'm not going to keep and going. And a day. <laughs> and a nanosecond. An hour. And a minute. <laughs> and a second. Oh my God. Until you're right here with us talking yeah. about the Eurovision. Look, if you're from America and you've watched a movie or you're thinking of watching a movie and you're not totally sure what the Eurovision is, it is a... Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's ever since Europe came together. Since the EU came together. Well, it definitely Maybe. goes back to the or 60s because ABBA performed in the Eurovision um, mm. and that's what made them famous before they were famous. Yeah, and that was 1973. 
That was 73. Good note. Yeah. 73 for Abbott. Maybe it was even before that then. So maybe, maybe the Eurovision was going a good few years before I that. think so. I mean, mm-hmm. Ireland, I think, had won it a few times by that stage, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then we won it a lot in the 90s. We, we've won more than any other uh, country. Yeah, we've had the, we the most wins. wins. We have the most wins. And uh, one thing I was talking to Ray about on the way over here um, was that Ireland, I believe one of the times that we hosted it, yeah, uh, we had that big fucking thing that kind of changed the world for a few years which was um, we had the river dance on oh, God. for a half time yeah, I still watch that sometimes man it's incredible the river dance half time show at the Eurovision Song Contest in Ireland do you remember what year this was was this 90s this yeah this very very 90s oh it's very 90s like yeah. 92 98 I and can't those, remember those well I'm not Michael too far off with like one of these like a dark yeah. coloured version of this shirt yeah yeah nothing in the wind maybe a bit more silky yeah silky. shiny well this reflective. isn't real silk this is fake silk this yeah. is this can, I feel, is, can I feel your shirt? Feel it. It's from. It's. I got it. I got it. I thrifted it. Ooh, it is from nice. New Look, though. Mm. So it's not. It's not vintage. It's an old look. It's yeah. It's like trashy. That's so a vintage. I'm too cheap hey. to shop at Nine Crows. Let me tell you. You ever go to Nine Crows? There's one in no. Temple Bar, and there's one on Mary Street, which is the street that joins Henry Street and Capel Street, mm-hmm. and it's just really good. You know, you get those old like multicolored jumpers uh, and and it's downstairs isn't it? it's uh, the one in Temple the Bar you downstairs. go downstairs yeah. the other one you just walk in yeah I've been in that you know like old Adidas sports brands like like a Rain Mac but it's all colourful like mm-hmm. 80s you know like the intro to uh, Saved by the Bell you know all those colours mm-hmm. it's like that that's yeah. the sort of stuff they sell and it's great Great, it's super expensive because it's proper vintage it's, it's proper yeah that's the thing isn't it you think getting like things that are like old or second hand will be cheap but then it doesn't turn out to be mm. um, yeah but so, yeah the Eurovision <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I was going to say was that that yeah. was just, just like that changed the economy of Ireland do you know what I mean that became the Celtic Tiger that was mm. a big thing for Ireland everyone else in Europe wanted to come including Americans but like that brought so much tourism over you know and then the Eurovision as well it's just like it's a beautiful meme fest these it days, is. the last few years, it's become a kind of cheesy, cringe meme fest because so many countries are, are yeah. kind of, a lot of them are singing in English and English isn't the first language. Yes, so does this. Yes. That takes some of the fun away. When I was younger, maybe I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. But once I got older, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of disappointing now when the Russians come and sing in English or something. Because <laughs> it's just, you want to hear their, their crazy language, this yeah. foreign, exotic language to my ears. What was what was that song? The um, Lion... <laughs> Oh, uh, this is this is the Russian. Um, what's his name? Dan Stevens plays Alexander Alexander Lemton, and he has his own little Russian song. What's it? Yeah, line, line of love, line of love, <laughs> and it's very uh, erotic. It's homoerotic. Yeah, and it's great. They have a whole joke with his character that he's basically gay. So yeah, it's a Gary Sanchez production, uh, and it came out. Gary maybe- Sanchez is that the name of the producer? That's uh, the production company. Oh, Gary Sanchez. They've done a good few stuff. I've seen them before. Yeah. I think connected to Will Ferrell or maybe even uh, Seth Rogen. I've definitely seen that intro. Well, I, I have... Yeah, is it, the, is it a tiger or something that's in it? Or am I getting confused? No, it's like a cup of coffee. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we had have our coffee, so... We You're had, thinking of the we line, We had, 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 had. You're um, thinking of Alexander there. Yeah, and, and the director is David uh, Dobkin, who uh, I looked up some of his credit credits. Wedding Crashes is probably the most famous thing he did with um, 
what's his name, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. Wilson. And he also did Shanghai Nights with Owen Wilson. Oh, wow. And Jackie Chan, yeah. which was like this huge over-the-top that was great. period piece comedy mm-hmm. that um, I, I maybe I need to go back and watch it. I don't remember enjoying it. Really? I remember like like doo-doo jokes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he, he, he falls over in the village square in, in the horse manure. That probably happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. all the, the tough men come out and make fun of Jackie but Chan. You, you watch those movies Orient. for the stunts. That's true. You Jackie know? Chan jumping out of hot air balloons and doing uh, crazy yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, and then they had Shanghai Noon. Mm. Wait, was it Shanghai Noon or Shanghai Night? Which was first? Shanghai Night was the first one right. that I'm aware of. Yeah. Uh, no, those films are see, great. I put that film in the same category as Around the World in 80 Days. You remember when that film came out and it was like a huge ensemble cast? It was oh. like, remember that film Rat Race that had like every celebrity yeah, yeah. Uh, around the world in the 80s days was like that but it bombed and I always in my head Shanghai Nights was this film that just never worked maybe I have a different oh it's got a sequel I never I must have Jackie Chan was a big pull back then I, he was yeah around the world in 80 days I had that on DVD ripped DVD. years ago ripped it off yeah but in the guy country. at the corner no, a guy who had like a very blatant store that was all ripped DVDs. Oh, really? Yeah. What, like in in Lucan Village? Oh, in Lebanon. Yeah. I thought in Lucan Village, some guy was running a dodgy DVD store. No, no, and there was nothing dodgy about these stores. They're out in the public and they're very open about it. And you walk in, they treat you like look. It's luxury, like yeah. that. Millions of DVDs choose from, and none of them are real. I've seen this before in Bulgaria, in yeah. Sunny Beach, the the new top tourist destination for Irish people. Mm. And uh, yeah, you just walk down the street and it's like, uh, you know, the dark night and whatever. Whatever's out in the cinema mm-hmm. at the moment. You, oh, look, you can get it all here. They get away with it, man. They don't yeah. have the same kind of laws. It's terrible if you work in the industry. Oh, no, you it know? is. But like, I mean, I still think they make enough money um, that I don't feel that bad. The industry. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, very rarely I would watch stuff online, but I have done. Mm. Um, I mean, because yeah, we own, we have some access to some official access to some platforms, yeah. Disney and Netflix, Amazon, yeah, yeah, and uh, and then now and again, I want to watch something, something hip comes out, and I don't have the thing, I can't afford to get another thing, so I might, I might watch it somewhere. I'm gonna confess that now. Mm. I don't download. I used to download back in the day. I used to torrent. I don't do that anymore. I think that's more. I kind of get that's more legal you're actually downloading the file mm-hmm. where if I'm streaming it really it's the website who's responsible for hosting the content and, and it's kind of the same thing though. it's the same thing but I, I could take it and I could copy it and I could give it to you yeah where, or make where, a profit off it exactly yeah. like uh, the people who are running the streaming sites they're in the wrong and they're making ads mm-hmm. profit off ads so I'm not saying it's right but I still think I mo- vast majority of the time I'll go to the cinema I much prefer the experience of the cinema or watching it properly I like getting even if I'm watching it on a shitty computer I want the proper HD yeah. as good as the equipment that I have because it's always going to be shitter on the streaming and that's the thing if you download it you know you can get like really good quality but uh, yeah I've tried to stay away from downloading and, and overall I, I, I haven't really watched much things online uh, but yeah I, I guess because I would have thought in the back of my head oh there's the industry I want to be in yeah. So I don't want to promote that. I agree. But, but yeah, I, growing yeah. up, man, I had so many ripped. Like I had hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds mm. of like I had just cases that like you'd open the zip, 
and it would just be like sleeve after sleeve of like yeah. four four DVDs, four DVDs. Anytime family members, that. friends yeah. were over, I'd be like, "What do you want to watch?" The, Jamie would bring down yeah. his library. This is like this is Netflix <laughs> before Netflix. Yeah, it was just yeah. me. Hours. I just had decide. every DVD. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I've got the newest shit." <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> Oh man, it was terrible. You know, um, that's fantastic. But like people used to do that with uh, VHS. You what? used to get two players hooked up. Do you ever used to do Bring that? Bring your cassettes everywhere, you? Yeah? Not well, no, not like that. <laughs> yeah. Not maybe just one or two. But like you would copy them. If you had oh, two yeah. players, you could record while one's playing through. Because some of these, some of these VHS players, when they got this is kind of late nineties. And the more high tech ones became cheaper, mm-hmm. so they would you would rather than running uh, the VHS player recorder into the TV and then recording what's on the TV, you run the TV signal goes straight into the VHS and then into the TV. And what the VHS player had inside it was like a channel mixer, so you could watch one channel record another, or you could set it to record in advance. But basically, that means it just had more inputs and outputs, scarts. Remember the scart cables yeah, yeah. on the back? So what you could do, you could get two VHS players, mm-hmm. run one into the other, play one tape that you got from Extra Vision, mm-hmm. and record it onto a blank tape while you watch the film. And then you would have that, you'd rip that film. It was simple. It was so I used to do it all the time. Holy shit. So I get a new, you know, Jurassic Park. Oh, I love this film, man. Rip it onto a tape. Watch it endlessly for a few weeks and then when the next one I just record over it again anyway it's highly illegal genius Uh, I don't know if it was genius I mean I don't think I knew anyone doing that growing up it was like vision mixing before before there was I knew what it actually was brilliant Um, so that was your way of kind of supplying your family with like but we still paid for the rental thing and I mean yeah we still went to I see I don't you see, that's the thing. I was given this little shop in Lebanon money. Well, see, that's somebody's little business. I mean, this <laughs> yeah. isn't some guy who's... Listen, I've worked on sets. I've worked on sets where uh, lighting guys have made like 800 euros yeah. an hour or something. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not an hour. Is it wasn't an hour? No, 800 euros a day. Um, and they're working like five, six days a week. They're put up in a hotel to get residuals. Now, listen, if you're high skilled, you should get that money. I don't know. And you're working hard. And- exactly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not going to feel too bad if it's just a few people skimming DVDs. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. They can't afford much anyway. Yeah, or some kids just like ripping a cassette just so we can watch Jurassic Park yeah, 10 times. That's not going to affect them that much. It's not. I don't think, I don't think it's a big deal mm. in the whole thing. I get overall the impact it has. Um, but I still think there's corporations who want to protect their profits so the artists lose out. Oh, yeah. So they're looking at the piracy. Oh, we're losing 20 million from piracy this year. Let's take more money off the filmmakers and the actors and, and the musicians who are involved mm-hmm. so we can keep our profit margins high rather than absorbing that and saying, well, it's not the artist's fault. We should still pay them. So I think mm-hmm. the problem as well is with the company oh, and yeah. how they decide to react. Mm. You know, because they have shareholders. Anyway, so Eurovision. <laughs> Eurovision. So as we said, we're going to be uh, <laughs> restructuring the show. <laughs> we, we just no. go on too many tangents. I it's, love... It's, yeah, no, listen. It this, has to be done. It has to be done, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this film was great. I really enjoyed it. It's so much fun. What I read online was that Will Farrell was introduced to the contest from his wife, mm-hmm. who is Swedish, in 1999, which is the year that Sweden won. Um, he he was introduced, so this started like kind of. 
I wouldn't say a love affair, but mm-hmm. like he fell very fondly for this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you see that in, in the <coughs> film. It's made with like a lot of love and it's just sure. fun. It's campy. Um, yeah, he he's, he's like his kids speak Swedish. Wait, is that the language? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Swedish, yeah. Swedish. Yeah, that's Iceland- like the characters in the film are, are, are Icelandic, mm-hmm. but his wife is Swedish, so his introduction is through Sweden. Yeah, and he would spend a lot of time in Sweden, and yeah, so you know, he's 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 you know, he has a house there, and so I think yeah, Will he's Ferrell summers, definitely he summers in Sweden, which is a weird place to summer because I assume yeah. it's cold all year round. But anyway, go on. Yeah, but like it's just a, a good way of getting out of America, and you know he has yeah. he has these different cultures, and so he's you know he's clearly seen this part of the world, and he's been his eyes have been open to some of this side of Europe, let's say. Yeah, and yeah, it definitely feels like the film is like a kind of like a little love affair, just just kind of it is a love note to Iceland and and to the Eurovision while while mocking it. Yeah, it is. Well, Teasing it as well. What I was going to say before is, I imagine for Americans watching Eurovision, it must just seem like the definition of Eurotrash. Yeah, yeah. Remember there used to be that show, early 90s, late 90s, called Eurotrash, and it's just guy with a French accent on it, and it'd be like, kind of, basically it was softcore porn, it would just yeah. be like bums going back and forth, and some guy would, you know, there'd be two, there'd be a, a couple having a date in a restaurant, and the, na- the waiter would come out with nothing on except a funny thing covering his penis, and he would serve them food. It was just like weird, kind of well, sexual well, sketches. It was a prank, prank show. It was like a prank show, but it wasn't, it was like the people were in on it, or they might yeah, talk to this nudists in some weird part of Germany, and then okay. all these... Fat Germans would be like swimming around. Like on MTV. What it was not an MTV. It was on some channel really late at night. Maybe it but was, Euro Trash is a, a term it, it without exists, even this show. Yeah, it yeah. exists before it. But yeah. I feel like Eurovision is an extension. It's there's the, no one naked in the Eurovision. No, there's no one naked. There's but no I feel sexual like, pranks either. No, and it's probably good. It's probably good that that Euro Trash this show is finished. Yeah. But Eurovision is kind of made a glittery. Mm. A Botox version of what Eurotrash was. Okay. It's yeah. still trashy and yeah. campy yeah. and silly, but it's not as kind of maybe vulgar. Very campy. There's one thing I noticed in the movie that there was a lot of like. Uh, I felt like there was a lot of um, a lot of gay singers. There was a lot of like. Yes. There was there was trans stuff in it. I feel like there was. I forget her name. See, this I'm I'm not a, a good person. For this subject, because I'm not a huge Eurovision same expert, but, I know but what there, you're talking yeah, about. there there is the singer with the beard who mm-hmm. won beard, but dressed as a woman. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't. I'm not sure what pronouns they, they like to use, so yeah. I'm gonna be careful. Um, but anyway, uh, they feature in a, a segment mm-hmm. of the film where where the where the Russian character Alexander has everyone back to his mansion and there's a few um there's a few cameos from past winners yeah. um that scattered throughout that segment which is See, one of the best segments it's so good like like this this film you know as much as it's a Will Ferrell stupid comedy film mm. it also has so much heart and it's like it's really fucking funny there was there was a good few like laugh out loud moments yeah. you know and sometimes i forget how funny will ferrell is like he's he's he he has a really good kind of a uh, he does. He has really good timing. It like, uh, in one way, I'm sometimes expecting it to 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 lean towards almost that kind of what is it that fart kind of, comedy or something? Not fart comedy. You know that kind of comedy that came out like ten years ago, maybe even further, like when um, the likes of Anchorman and stuff. 
Is that what you're thinking? A little bit Anchorman, Old but school. maybe more like knocked up and uh, okay. So or, like or Seth Rogen, the Seth Rogen thing. What's that director called? Um, um, he was in he was in the Room film. Remember, wasn't he in the Disaster Artist? He was the producer at the table. That's it. What's yeah, his yeah. name? Judge 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 Apatow. Judge Apatow. Yeah, yes. he created that whole kind of thing in movies where they would just like see who can say the most ridiculous thing. And they'll mm. do 20 takes of just, like, random shit. Yeah. But the problem is when you watch the movie, sometimes it really works. And other times it's just, like, you're just saying something completely ridiculous. Whereas this okay. felt, it feels a bit more scripted. It's definitely more scripted. And, and I, maybe I, too scripted at times. Maybe. There, there's a point to where Will Ferrell's on the stage and he's talking to, like, a dance choreographer. And yeah. him and her have this amazing chemistry. And I feel like parts of that were just, like, off the cuff, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, see, Will Ferrell's good like that. Some of the funniest mm. stuff you'll see him in is SNL mm-hmm, yeah, back yeah. when he was on it or when he went back and guest starred and yeah. stuff the hot tub hot tub What's did you hot, watch that no I didn't see I seen the cowbell one it's where he plays this like European him and this I forget her name you know, you know that really short one from SNL she's like one of the there's so many people I know SNL. I forget her name I she's no one idea. of the iconic ones um, from years ago she's much older now but she was uh, a, she Amy Poehler no no no, no uh, Sarah Silverman. She didn't really I'm continue to do, now. like, big things in movies. Okay. But she's hilarious in SNL. Yeah. Anyway, her and Will Ferrell are, like, this couple who are, like, doctors, mm. and they're European, and they're always in the hot tub making love, talking about, like, making love in the hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, I don't remember. I don't know, do they crack up? They kind uh-huh. they, they crack up, or they usually make the people in the hot tub mm. crack up, but it's mm. fucking, it's one of the best sketches, man. Um... But see, he's so good, and there's one he's bit. Excellent. There's one bit which I think was my favorite bit in the entire film, mm-hmm. and it's literally toilet humor. When he there's a bit near the end. We're kind of jumping around here, but mm-hmm. anyway, um, there's a bit at the end of the film where he storms out after the hamster wheel accident, mm-hmm. and he storms out before the results, and he gets angry and he trashes the place, he's mm-hmm. trashing loads of tables, and then this portal loose. He pushes one over, and then you hear a guy inside being like, "Hey, there's somebody in here." And he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And then he just runs off. Yeah, it just spills out under the road. Yeah, that had me in bits. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why. It was just like it was so simple as well. Yeah, but you would push it over without thinking. I think it's Will Ferrell's just like it's just because he's just like he's so he's so passionate in the moment. He's like ah, yeah, he's yeah. really like really <laughs> angry. Like, it's yeah. brilliant. Um, and kind of yeah, we you, are jumping about over the place, but you know sometimes we also probably over explain in a bullet point yeah. form every single thing in a movie. And some people might listen to this, no finding out the spoilers, yeah. but still wanting to see it, and so therefore we shouldn't tell them every fucking thing. That's that true. That's true. Uh, there, there's also like there's so many amazing uh, just 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 nods in this, you know, to mm. actually what happens in Eurovision and that kind of beautiful kind of just cheesiness. Yes. Like you said, or campness, you know? Yeah. Because um, that's what, another thing that I realised that I never really talked about with the Eurovision. It's so camp. Mm. It's so camp. The, the Kind of the disco music that's yeah. throughout. And then the presenters, the way they talk. Okay! Everything's so glittery and it over is. the top and very, like, sparkly. And, and yeah, it's very... It's weird because it's like... It's weird because it's on such a big scale that it's mm. something that all of Europe does together. Mm-hmm. So then you end up seeing, like... A, two presenters from Lucaslavia, whoever's mm-hmm. hosting it is. So they're big presenters in that country. But the country's still small. It's not like when you see the biggest presenter in America or something, whether it's like a Howard Stern or an Oprah, they're like the top person from like 300 million people. Mm-hmm. Where we're just seeing like the top person from like 20 million 
whatever French people whatever it is mm-hmm. so it's just there's a different vibe there's a whole different cultural thing that maybe we're a bit alien to because mm-hmm. we don't live in those countries we're used to getting all this other western culture so their way of talking and their jokes and then they're always speak in English as well as their own language so mm-hmm. then you have this broken English as well yeah the jokes never land yeah like it's the always... timing's always a bit off yeah and it's but it's on such a big scale mm. and like you can even see and I, when I was reading about the, the technical stuff of this they went they went to um, they went to the final of one of the your they went to the final of the 2008 show oh, right. and they pre-recorded um, stuff on the stage and they rebuilt the stage wow. sorry not in Portugal in where was it they've been playing Te- this for a while in Tel Aviv mm. yeah that's it Uh, so last year's one was in Israel and they went there and they recorded some stuff at the at the rehearsals and then they took a design of the stage built the stage in a sound studio but then they took what they call plates of the audience which is like they recorded the crowd from the stage so they could digitally put it into the film because there's some shots you see on the stage and it looks pretty cool when you see this big stadium you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Why, why was I saying that again? I forget what the point was. You were just talking um, about technically. Uh, um, but anyway, yeah. I don't, since 2008, they've been kind of... Well, see, yeah. It says that last year they went and they actually filmed some stuff at that event. And then mm-hmm. I, I found out as well that in 2018, Will Farrell attended... Ah, I said 2008. I was like, jeez. No, no, that's too He's far had this back. in the back of his head for a while. Like... <laughs> He, he went to the contest then, mm. which was in Portugal, and just hung out backstage and mm. watched it and talked to the contestants. <laughs> so he knew what was kind of... But the production is big. like yeah. It's a huge stage. It's a huge crowd, lights and technical stuff. Um, so yeah, it's kind of... It's just weird that it, it's, it exists on this stage, on this scale. Mm. This campiness. This Yeah, it's you, great. But there is... We're so used to it. It's hard for us to kind of like mm-hmm. see it from an American perspective. Yeah. Or an outsider perspective, you know. Um, yeah, and, and all the countries kind of like helping each other out when you can see kind of like a bit of politics happening. Yeah. There's Certain, a little bit of... Give 12 points to our next door neighbours and every year you're like, of course you do. Yeah. Yeah, the neighbours you like and then you give nothing to the neighbours you don't like. It's a... You hear the Eastern Bloc been thrown around a few times that the Eastern Bloc vote like mm-hmm. together in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, yeah, it's politics. I mean, it's this kind of like Cold War Europe and then like Western Europe. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It's it's interesting. Um, so yeah, yeah. There's other stuff in here. I have a very rough list of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they go to Scotland for the, for the finals of the competition, which suggests because the the country that won. Mm-hmm. Uh, the contest hosted the next they year. Hosted next year. So Scotland, who I don't think have, have ever won, um, maybe they have, I forget now, mm-hmm. um, but they're suggesting that they won it yeah. last year around. Um, so I don't know, I think Eurovision fans seem to find that a very interesting point. Who's this Scottish person who won the mm-hmm. Eurovision in this fictional Will Farrell? I want to hear that song. Um, yeah, and what do you think about the relationship between... Pierce Brosnan, who plays Will Farrell's Icelandic father. Eric. Yes. And um, Will Farrell, who plays Lars. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting... Lars. Yeah, because, I mean, maybe we should just uh, take a step back. Because, like, um, um, you know, the whole the whole thing that happens in this is that basically Lars loses his mother. Um, Pierce Brosnan's character, mm-hmm. Eric, loses his wife. Yeah. And they're watching the Eurovision in 1973. They see ABBA on the screen. They're all loving it. You know, and then Lars starts dancing. 
and then you know everyone's laughing at him and his dad's like don't be dancing to that shit you know and then Lars yeah. is like you'll see me on the stage I'll show you so you know we see from an early age yeah. that he loses his mother and he fills this void with like with passion Abba. Yeah. with Abba like like every good person should exactly and uh, yeah but and then he has this um, kind of relationship with a neighbour who is Sigrid Sigrid yeah Sigrid Sigrid played by Rachel McAdams who's, who's fantastic and there's kind so of a good. suggestion that they might be Step siblings, but they keep denying it because they're kind of in love, yeah. right? They keep saying, "Well, no, I think we find out they're not. They're not in the end." Yeah, we find out throughout the movie that right. Eric Pierce Brosnan, uh, he's he's been with a lot of the he women in the, everyone in this small town. Yeah, basically. he has a lot of kids. Yeah, that that don't really care about him being the dad, you know. Yeah. But apparently, you know, Lars is. They have this relationship where he's always lived with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's been just like the, yeah, the middle-aged man living at home. And um, but yeah, he hasn't. Fox. He hasn't given up on his dream. Oh, Silver Fox. Pierce Brosnan. You, I mean. you like his look in it. Well, yeah, no. Pierce Brosnan does look good for a day. He, he looks very handsome, man. He's, uh, yeah. He looks great in this film. At one point, I love his style. Yeah. The little bandana thing around the neck. I don't know that kind of seventies look. He could like play James Bond again. I think as like an probably like, better than he did as an aging James Bond. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this mature mm-hmm. James Bond who likes to call it a retirement or something. But um, well, oh, fuck, I forget what I was gonna say now. But yeah, basically, Lars and Sigrid they they're practicing all the time yes. and they're playing at home. And then they decide to enter for you know they're also playing in uh, pubs and but you know people just want to yeah. hear yeah yeah ding dong yeah yeah was is that a real song or I think it's just made up for I, the, I think it's just made up to it's tease. like that town has its own little funny song yeah it's about just like making love I think it's just about a dick yeah yeah ding dong it's, <laughs> let's, it's so weird I mean that's all they want to hear the townspeople just want to hear that song and repeat from what I understand Icelandic people enjoyed the film like they thought it was good mm. but like it must be it'd be like because there's stuff with elves in it which must go back to Icelandic tradition mm-hmm. so if I watched a Eurovision Song Contest film with Will File, where it was set in Ireland about an Irish person an Irish team going and competing with leprechauns in it I would kind of be like over it already like I'm over mm-hmm. it as soon as it comes out of my mouth but they don't from what I understand they didn't seem to mind any of that, that funniness but also leprechauns are kind of like a a marketing thing it's not really yeah. part of Irish culture it's, it's we like, don't have leprechauns it's mentioned like we have so many other stuff that's mentioned a lot we've loads of folklore we've loads of folklore we've loads of stuff like with the swans and yeah. with Cullen we have loads of stuff that's like they're bigger stories and they're repeated and they're like the motifs are, repeat, are repeated where the leprechaun is like a really small part it's like one small story a part of a bigger story so it's not mm. even like the main thing no the people latch it onto it and then they turn into we've this. literally as Irish people just taken advantage of the leprechaun thing because Americans seem to love it and but we like, just try to take money out of your pocket we don't talk about leprechauns we don't we never grew up with leprechauns it's not part of our history yeah. or our mythology like you're saying it's part of one story but it's, yeah. it, it's never been in my foreground but like I thought that it wasn't us who who um, <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> going to say raped the leprechaun but that's the wrong Whoa, choice I, I definitely didn't <laughs> no exploited the leprechaun Oh, we exploited the, <laughs> yeah. the little leprechaun but I don't think it was us who did it I think it was people who went away you know like Boston Celtics and they have their leprechaun mm-hmm. I think it was maybe Irish Americans or other people who went away to, and emigrated mm-hmm. who then maybe this culture built up because I never it seems like this is something that they think of us in America that we didn't put up the banners they put it up and then 
it got reverse engineered. I think so. Once the, Ameri- I mean. Once the it Americans the came thing. over looking for leprechauns, they were like, shit, we better build a leprechaun we museum. We yeah. were, you want to see some leprechauns? <laughs> we have leprechauns everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a fucking leprechaun. Sure, why not? I have a great Open story. Open your wallet. I have a great story. Uh, my cousin Michelle, who you know, mm-hmm. her father used to drive uh, tour buses and he used to go up around the Wicklow Mountains. Mm-hmm. I went a few times. He was absolutely brilliant. It was like a stand-up routine he used to do. And I remember one time he was going up uh, like the West Wicklow Way and he stopped the bus and there was a stick in the ground and he told all the American tourists it was a leprechaun's grave and they all got out and took photos of the stick which is just wow. uh, such a lovely story and uh, you just I made that up on the spot yeah it was just a stick sticking stick in, in the ground that's a leprechaun's grave yeah. they all stood outside <laughs> gathered around this little stick yeah. and took photos mm. um, but you know what somebody went back home to Karen mm. and said, "Look at my uh, this leprechaun's grave." Like, oh my god! So they got wow. a good memory out of it too, right? I mean, that's a thing. We all still have an imagination. You yeah. just have to figure out how to exploit it. Yeah, exactly. That's In a brilliant. good way. In a good, good way. way. I mean, we probably made a lot of I, the leprechaun thing, right? I mean, the good thing. Yeah, the good thing is, I guess, in this, Lars doesn't believe in elves. So people, Icelandic people watching it. You know, they probably can say that, oh, some people in our culture probably do have the elf thing. I mean, don't some Irish people still believe in the fairies? Yeah. We have, like, fairy doors on trees, like little fairy, fairy doors. doors. And some people yeah. will have, like, things to say, I believe in fairies. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they talk to fairies like you would angels. Yeah. So we kind of have a bit of that in Irish culture. We do. And it's, it's usually yeah. female and older, I've noticed. But That is true. When I lived in Galway, we had a, had a beautiful uh, landlady who was, like, a poet and shit. And uh, yeah, she had. She used to make little fairy doors with her grandkids, and That's put them put them out at the bottom of the apple tree. It sounds like I lived in a fairy tale, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's where I used to live. Sounds good. And if you walk even just down the road to Blessington Basin, it's a little lake in the city, and just a little bit on the corner of the lake where there's fairy doors mm-hmm. as well. So it is a thing. It comes from you know. You, you, have you ever heard of the fairy circle? The little circle of mushrooms. No, there's this thing that happens that like you get up early in the morning, and uh, you know what the well the dew is still on the grass and mushrooms are at the surface in the yeah and they're in, the in a circle, and people uh-huh. used to always say that it was a fairy circle because the fairies would come and have a little circle and they would sit on the mushrooms. Oh. Now what happens is when a spore comes down and lands. I remember doing this in biology. A spore will land in the in the grass mm-hmm. and then in a perfect circle around the spore. That's a so it's just a biological thing. Ooh. But you know, humans make these connections. Yeah, we look for stories. And this is a way to explain it. So I think that's, this is I where like the that. fairy stuff originally comes from. And like maybe there was, maybe back then we were eating the mushrooms as well. And then we definitely saw well, little things sitting you know, on the mushrooms. I, I was in my grand's there last week and the, the grass hadn't been done. Um, and I noticed there was a lot of mushrooms. And I did have a little Google. But I realized <laughs> very quickly if I attempted to do anything with those mushrooms, I would probably poison myself. Yeah, so there's just, a lot of mushrooms. Yeah, there. yeah, a lot of them are poisonous. So I don't think that I don't no. think they were good mushrooms. But I was so for a moment I was like, <laughs> "Don't do it, Jamie." <laughs> Bless you. Son. It's a sin in today's world to sneeze. Well, that's what they say. That's why it? I sneeze at myself. Sneeze into your. I sneeze into me go into your cleavage. They say find your 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 elbow crease, your elbow pocket. Is that what they call it? Sneeze into your elbow pocket. But I don't know. That's yeah. my that's my coke pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, we've gotten off. Anyway, so yeah, yeah I was I was um, trying to uh, glean some um, magic mushrooms out my grandmother's garden, but it, that was more just a, a foolish optimism. I was never gonna find. I feel them like there. they need to be near poo. Don't they need to be near cow poo, right? 
seems to be the way. Mm, I mean, I'm sure we can do it sometime. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so look, a lot of a lot of countries in Europe where the mushrooms grow believe in fairies. Is what we're trying to say, and elves. And uh, yeah, there's a whole thing about these elves not being real. But then you know, of course, we have the character of uh, Lars. Is it? No, Sigrid. Uh, Victor, who is played by Michael Persbrandt, who is in Sex Ed. He's the go- Victor. Yes. Vic- he's the banker guy. He's the banker and of governor. Iceland. Yeah. And and what else is he in? Sorry, say it again. From Sex Head. Oh, so I, haven't he's watched, and... I haven't watched that show. What? I haven't watched it. Have you not? No. And we've it, talked about doing we, it for the show. We've talked about doing it for the show, but I haven't watched it yet. So. Oh, great. Because you've Mick's a lot to... on it. Yeah. That's excellent. Okay, I can do the research for that one because I've seen it all. Uh, that's fantastic. We should definitely do that very soon. Um, but yeah, he, a lot of people recognize him from Sex Head. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, he's the governor. He's also. Um, uh, bank banker, yeah, yeah, he's a uh, not a good guy, but he makes a good point. He's afraid that Iceland will become bankrupt if they would win. You yeah. have to host the Eurovision, so he doesn't want them to win. Uh, we yeah. quickly kind of figure it out that he has blown up all the the inner circle of winners yeah. that were on the boat, including Demi Lovato, uh, who is Katiana in this. Katiana oh he's yeah she by... pops up again and again and again doesn't she and she does as this kind yeah. of corpse ghost she's like yeah. a ghost but she's like the favourite to win she has she's this amazing, amazing song voice. and they almost pick um, the fire saga mm-hmm. tape they're like she's so good it doesn't matter who we pick and mm-hmm. it just so happens they pick Will Farrell and Rachel McAdams tape mm-hmm. and then of course after everyone dies they're the only ones left which is a bit cruel I mean it feels like maybe you could call it yeah. fate but it also feels really cruel to think like on some level this is someone's like entire dream and like a music record company or a team of people are just like, ah, just pick a random one. We've got yeah. what we need. Do you know what I mean? It, it's a bit of a backhanded compliment. I just like, we I, made it, but it's just like random. I kind of love that though. I yeah. Think a lot of it does, a lot of life does come down to mm-hmm. look. Uh, look, and it's down to like seizing opportunities sometimes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like something will just present itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, like I was saying, like I, I was thinking about getting into running, increasing my cardio. And I was thinking, thinking about, I was talking to Niall about it, I was talking to you about it, and then my yoga teacher was like, oh, do you want to go for a run before class? And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, this is strange that you just ask. Yeah, they don't usually do that, do they? But no, yeah, but like, I I've think gotten coach known them for, for okay, a you know while. Yeah, 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 and especially now that everything's changed, that the classes are much smaller, so I'm like... Did you even mention you want to start doing running? I probably mentioned that, like, I want to increase my thing, I used mm-hmm. to go swimming, my cardio, so he just kind of ended up asking, nice. and then I got runners the other day, and then he couldn't meet, but then he ended up... So everything just ended up happening anyway, so it's mm-hmm. just being open. Yeah, to yeah. these things one way and even though we didn't go running together mm. it still made me buy the shoes which meant I went, I went for a little room this morning so it's all just it's coming together yeah just being open to we it we were talking about that in the last episode we are talking about running a good bit and yeah so look it's been a week now and you're already one step closer to yeah. it no uh, how did you find it I was terrible I was sweating but like yeah. in a good way I was yeah. pretty sweaty um, I felt a bit self-conscious about my form but mm. I was just I did like I googled a YouTube a very basic video of some girl running and somebody uh, with a voiceover and like position your head the head is very heavy so where it's positioned really matters I was like oh, oh god I'm getting way in over my head I mean uh, it's, it's true yeah, it is true. And I was just watching my arms. So, yeah, I'd like to go with somebody, either yourself or whoever it is, somebody who has a bit of running experience, just to give me notes on form. I think the most important thing that sometimes people... Like, it's good that you're self-aware. 
that's, mm. that's one thing that you're aware of your form you don't look yeah. ridiculous but like at the same time you kind of have to just let go but like the problem is some people are letting go way too much they're like literally like, they, they, their hand around yeah, well, their hair's on fire you know we've talked about this before this kind of like loose kind of wobble it's like that just looks like going yeah. you're just like you're just kind of like pounding on the ground and you're not really wow. it doesn't look like I feel like you need to you need to just strengthen yourself to the point where even if you're tired you're gonna like kind of tense your muscles and just like actually you want to be tense you want to feel like yeah maybe tense, tense is wrong but like you want to just you want to hold that form have enough strength to hold yourself together to st- keep staying light on your feet mm. and if you find you can't hold yourself together for that I don't know if you should keep jogging you know some people might say yeah keep going yeah. And, like keep your cardio I think at that point like just walk for a minute you know yeah. regain your energy and your confidence and then be like no I'm going again and mm. hold yourself up well, I didn't do it for long today. It was yeah. like a little jog going one way down the canal, which was like half that section of the canal. Mm-hmm. And then I jogged back and then I probably stopped for like a few seconds and then ran back up and it's a bit of a hill. So like I like jogged up to the hill. So it was not like I only probably was, was jogging for like 15 minutes or something. But for, as for a first thing, and I did feel my lungs were a bit like tight and a bit... Just like the strength mm-hmm. isn't there. And I feel like with swimming, because it's so particular with the breathing, as in like you can run and breathe badly, but you can't swim and breathe badly because you're going to drown. So you have to have a very... You have to, have, di- you have to be more disciplined. Mm. And I feel like that's better for my lungs, where like my lungs felt like a little bit clammy or something. Mm. Maybe it's with the water. And, you know, so I was just conscious of that. But I think obviously the more I do it, the more that will improve. Yeah, plus you'll find your own kind of pattern that you used to in swimming with running where you could kind of like, in your head, you could be like every five steps, you're breathing in. So it's like one, two, three. You're counting in your head and you're breathing in then you hold it for like a second or two and then out, two, three, four, five. Is that how you would do it? Would you... If, I, if I'm if i trying to control my breath, yeah, I'd probably do something like that. I don't, would you I don't, just I don't breathe think naturally? Just, I think so. Just deep I don't breaths, think... heavy breaths because... Yeah, because like I was saying to you, like I had really bad cardio and I used to get stitches very easily and then I wanted to get good for American football. Yeah. A lot of times you'd just be running constantly. And so I had to learn quite quickly that if I don't control my breath, I'm going to be out of breath. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? And also because if you're, if you're controlling your breath, your breath, yeah. you're, then your heartbeat is slower. And if your heartbeat is slower, your body's freaking out less and you can go for longer. So breath really is everything. You have to, mm. yeah. You can. Okay. Do it with us at home. Breathe that shit out. Thanks for joining us for the podcast today. We'll see you all next week. Uh, okay. No, we're still doing good. We got forty-five minutes. We're we're on time. I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's. We can still talk a little bit. Let's finish this up. Let's for, yeah, let's round it up for this episode. Yeah, yeah, ding dong. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a good few songs. There's 21st Century Viking. I fucking love that guy. Yeah, he was very that good. Was it could be a high pitch. Yeah, he was of. singing. Yeah, but it was like a weekend kind of music. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The weekend, like, it was very, like, kind of, like, sexual and sensual. It was kind of like Lordy meets, yeah, The Weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Is it their weekend or is it just weekend? The weekend. The weekend. Yeah. Okay. His real name's, like, Abel, Abel, something. Just one guy. Huh? The week, yeah, the weekend's just just one guy. Did they do that on purpose? Now, did they like, like pick a name that could be a band name? 
like childish Bambino, Gambino. Like that could be a band. It could be. I think I think Donald Glover wrote his name into like a Wu Tang rap generator website, and oh, he got right. back childish Gambino and just went with it. That's as, kind of brilliant. As for the weekend, I don't know. I guess he just felt like he was always living the weekend. You think that? I think because his music's always about doing drugs and having okay. sex, and he's gone from the streets to becoming like a huge artist. Yeah. So he's just living that life. I think yeah. so. I don't know. I couldn't be permanently in the weekend though. That's that's a lot. It is a lot. I think he talks about it. He sings a lot about yeah. it being a lot, but he's kind of that's his. That's what he wants to his do. His persona is this drug taking, sex goblin maniac. That's who good. Who has a heart of gold kind of. That's good, but that's that's a tough lifestyle to live and not be it's fucked rock up. Star it is, but that can be bad for yourself. It can be bad for people around you. I if think you're, hugely, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, but you, you know he's still young into the Eurovision lifestyle the Eurovision far more yeah. glee friendly kind of well listen there's another great thing about the show I definitely wanted to mention Graham Norton oh yeah has a cameo in it yeah. as himself so he he usually um, he what's it called he does the commentary mm-hmm. for uh, BBC because mm-hmm. we have our own Marty Whelan or somebody does mm-hmm. from Winning Streak he does our commentary but Graham Norton does the British one so they use him in this uh, during some of the major contest scenes where they're performing and stuff and he just like narrates it like the famous well, I, I suppose it's the famous scarf hamster wheel scene mm-hmm. where her scarf gets caught in his giant wheel and they go off the stage what did you how did you find th- that uh, sequence and we'll, I felt sorry for them because they couldn't get a break do you know what I mean and then and then they picked themselves back up yeah. and they continued singing and I was like this is either going to be like people don't know how to react or it's going to be a round of applause. Yeah. And then it was people don't know how to react. Yeah. Followed by a round of applause. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah which okay. is, yeah. I mean, I think that would happen in real life, wouldn't it? People would be absolutely gobsmacked. And then they'd be really, they'd support them for getting yeah. back up and getting through it. I'm surprised more people didn't laugh though. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was too shocking. Mm. But, uh, there was one person laughing in the crowd I think there scene. was yeah, yeah. there was one guy just like that would have been me if I was there <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely that yeah. definitely I would have been like just somewhere in like the distance in the darkness just one guy like, just losing the shit it's so terrible but like if that happens I mentioned this before with like uh, at the comedy gigs at the comedy yeah. gigs when somebody bombs and uh, I just find it really funny but I'm not laughing at them I'm laughing yeah. like I said the tension yeah. of that everybody's shocked and nobody knows what to do that's I don't think you're alone I think that really tickles a lot of people yeah or or falling some people know they're not meant to laugh when someone falls but like some like I yeah sometimes it's too much but sometimes I've watched compilations of people falling oh yeah you know videos yeah it's kind of disgusting but Uh, it depends sometimes I'm like oh I didn't need to see that one that was too extreme yeah and then the next one you're like haha you know what I mean but I don't know. Uh, yeah, you don't want people to actually like be dead. Yeah. And hurt so themselves. like those kind of ones, I'm like, this out. That's not funny. Oh, he fell from the top of that building. Why is that funny? <laughs> what? Is he okay? Uh, but yeah, that's disturbing. That's those parkour videos. Like a guy jump from one side of the building to the other and he misses. And how high up is he? Is he like on a skyscraper? Three, four floors. I don't know. Yeah, Straight up to his high. back. Yeah, yeah. It's that's like, pretty, I don't that's that. pretty violent. Who put this into a comedy failing comp- compilation? Yeah, no, that scares me. Do you ever see those other videos of like somebody literally on the top of a skyscraper and have a GoPro and they're like hanging? Oh yeah, yeah. Like what? Pull ups on a crane. Yeah, like what? Do those people just sneak up there and they just? Yeah. And why don't they feel fear? 
I don't know, man. Some people don't have that same reaction to like heights. And but I've heard of people dying if somebody. Mm. I haven't seen a, a video because they probably cleaned that up. The police, as in, like the police mm-hmm. found the video. They had to clean them up too. Um, but I've heard of like people like oh they fell they were doing they're making a video and they slipped because it's mm. so easy. And I've watched some of those videos and it's like it would be so easy with like no cables, no nothing. It'd be so easy just to fall. Yeah. So it just seems insane that you would take that risk. So for some look for the adrenaline so people don't feel alive they kind of only I feel alive so. when they're doing when they're kind of at the border of something at uh, the border of life and death I guess so I don't know That's, I remember, it makes me squirm I, I remember know, I a psychopath once describing uh, what it was like to kill a person and what did they say it was in some interview uh, was it oh my god was it um Pierce Morgan was he interviewing this? Well, guy? he is a psychopath, so he well, he's he's some level of yeah, something sociopath. A sociopath. No, Pierce Pierce is a difficult child. <laughs> was he's, this super nanny again? He's a difficult. He's the he's like the awkward. He's probably the middle child or something. We got bullied mm-hmm. by the, the two other siblings or something. I don't know. Yeah, now he has to bully the world. Probably, uh, but I he, I don't know if it was with him or someone else. But he was there was I was watching this compilation where they were interviewing psychopaths. And this guy was talking about like how that was so real for him. That's who he truly was. Mm. And that when it came to actually finally killing person, killing a person, it was like he could see the atoms vibrating. He said he was so close to life being super yeah. real. Jesus. That like that he was exactly where he needed to be. That things were so like he was almost seeing through the matrix. He said he could describe the atoms all around him as buzzing. Oh my god. And so these was he on drugs? No, I don't think he did drugs. No, no. I think this was his drug, basically just wow. like cutting up lamb, the humans. That's horrifying, though. It's horrifying, but this is some people have this thing where they don't feel alive unless they're doing something. Mm. And I, I'm not trying to necessarily yeah. relate these two things, but maybe people who need adrenaline as a way of feeling alive, that don't feel alive unless they're like skydiving or like going down, plummeting down like the dangerous mountain and on skis and, yeah, you know, or fucking, what's this, you know, hanging off a crane. Yeah. Maybe they feel like they get such a rush and such a feeling of like I'm I exist right now. I can see the atoms buzzing. That that's that's what is real for them. Mm. That moment. I don't know. I I I'm interested in going into high places, but I would never hang off a crane. Yeah, it's not worth the probability of you easily yeah. slipping. It's not worth. But see, that's more crazy because people think Tom Cruise is crazy when he does his Abu Dhabi thing, and yeah. uh, you know the other thing where he's hanging out of the side of the plane, mm. and he, he does another one where he jumps out of a plane in one of the Mission Impossibles, where like he's literally it seems more calculated though. But like, yeah, he, like he's he has harnesses that they digitally yeah. remove, or he's jumping out of a plane with a parachute. It's a lot of money invested. He's not in not fucking up exactly. Yeah. He's not hanging off the Burj Khalif. Yeah. with no wires they wouldn't no. let him do that I think there is one of the Mission Impossible you know where he's rock climbing uh, yeah Mission Impossible 2 intro yeah and he there's a jump that he makes yeah. from one ledge to the other which is real wow um, no there's a whole segment where it looks like he's climbing with no ropes they did most of it with ropes or safety equipment but there's a few in it where like if he fell he would have fallen to his death um, but like this wasn't like that was a John Woo thing. this was like they probably set it up they probably passed it he probably it, this wasn't like the most difficult jump this yeah, was yeah. like a doable jump from one ledge to another mm-hmm. and he knows exactly where he's going to put his hands and shit um, oh. but yeah that is I guess so with Tom Cruise he kind of has to do that shit to get a buzz because he's already like a huge million dollar 
Scientologist. Scientologist, <laughs> celebrity, superstar. Yeah. He has to jump out of. And the thing with holding his breath, you no, know, he holds his breath for like eight minutes in one of the films. They yeah. film the sequence. One of the Mission Impossible's, he's doing, he's basically trying to kill himself every time he tries to do one of these films. There's one of the sequences where there's a bomb's gonna go off or the world's gonna explode and he's in this underwater chamber mm. uh, that he has to swim and press these buttons to get, and there's something spinning that's like moving them around as well. But they filmed it like in real time under the water, like, so he's actually wow. holding his breath for the whole time he's doing that sequence. It's like David Blaine shit almost. Yeah, isn't it's it? very impressive. It's like Tom Cruise is on another level, isn't he? He's one of those special people. I, yeah, but do you know? Here's a fun fact, a bit of trivia. I meant to bring up when we were doing the American Psycho episode two or three episodes yes. ago. Yes. Christian Bale mirrored some of his performance off a Tom Cruise interview. <laughs> really? Yeah, he said he was watching a Tom Cruise interview and he saw this. <laughs> he saw this like this this. This extreme, positive, sociable character that was dead in the eyes. That's how he described it. He said, like, this, like, very smiley, like, wow. over the top, amazingly charming person who was dead in the eyes. And he said there was something about that interview with Tom Cruise. Do you think Tom Cruise is dead inside? Like, did have, they, they surely bumped into each other at an award ceremony. Does mm. Tom Cruise know he said this? I don't know. It's like, Imagine, Tom, imagine you're like, hey, you think I'm dead inside? You know, no. with the big smile, the big Tom Cruise smile like that. <laughs> I might, no, imagine you're at the Golden Globes mm. and you go to the toilet and you come out of the cubicle mm. and there's nobody else there except Tom Cruise is standing right in front of you. Oh, fuck. And kind of corners you and it's like, so you think, and he's looking at you with mm. his dead eyes mm. and he says. And his big smile. Yeah, you think I'm dead inside? Is mm. that what you said? Christian Bale's like I'm Batman <laughs> no what, what probably would happen would be Christian Bale would go to the toilet and then he'd like look down and realise Tom Cruise has been holding his breath in the toilet Where are you <laughs> he from? comes out he comes out and he's like do you think I'm dead yeah like, like, like a train spot yeah, like, yeah do I look dead now <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. Just flush him down <laughs> he's it. small enough he's to, to he's go gone. back down he's going there uh, yeah, we give him a hard time on the show don't we we, I, we talked about the time he was at the Guinness place. Yeah, that's true. He, he needed the stool. Or... He requested that nobody be taller than him who worked behind the bar. <laughs> oh, come on, dude. That's, that's what I heard. True, true a friend of a friend who worked there. Uh, listen, whatever. He's on a different level. He lives his life. Sometimes I listen to interviews with celebrities and they're just like, oh, I don't like to fly, so I, ha- I have this bus that I own and I employ two drivers and they'll just drive me from New York to L.A., and uh, we do it non-stop because I don't like to stop. So I tell them, make sure you've eaten beforehand and it's about 20 hours. And I just sleep in the back. And I was like, only somebody who's really rich could have the luxury of like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to fly and have someone drive me across the country. Non-stop. And like, I don't blame them. They're living in a different world. And and being a celebrity, you probably wouldn't, you need to insulate yourself from crazy people. Mm. So you would end up doing shit like that because you are the crazy person too. Yeah, I get loads so. of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't. You're not just on a hire car yourself, and you're getting mm. stopped everywhere or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You can't just call into a hotel mm. and be like, "Do you have a reservation?" You know, and maybe no ultra service. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, Tom Cruise is here!" Apparently, he's staying in uh, London now. He was stuck in London before this Corona thing mm-hmm. hit, and then after spending a while there, he's like, "Everyone's sound here." He's like, I hate the Hollywood life still, so he's thinking of just staying in London. I hope he does. He's going to live in London from now on. I think already he has like two daughters studying there or something. Really? So, or 
two, one. He's done. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he's he's decided to uh, stick I around think London. Good. For the I next think the smart, the smart film people seem to do that. Get out of Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, that's what Kubrick did very early on in his career. Get out of that culture. Wait, from uh, after Lolita, mm. Strange Love was made at the early sixties, sixty one, mm. and from then on he made all of his films because he just. I read stuff about like he didn't like that Hollywood lifestyle mm. of like um, you'd be like on a set you know in the studio lot and you bump into somebody who's working on another film they'd be like oh how's it going and you'd be like yeah it's going really great we're getting really great stuff and he said you could feel the resentment mm. that everybody was like if somebody's doing better than them it makes they, they it just makes them feel bad about themselves right. and it was the whole attitude of the industry and this uh, you know uh, I don't know you know just just, just people begrudging each other, and it just wasn't like a healthy environment. So he just, yeah, you probably feel like you don't have real friends. People there yeah. because you're rich, or people there because they're yeah. going to get something from you. I'd say there's a whole culture of that, yeah, of just fakeness. Because I've been thinking about that as well, watching uh, Down to Earth, the new Netflix show with Zac Efron. Oh, Zac, yeah, you, you and, and Laura you... were talking about this the other night, mm-hmm. and um, I need to watch. I haven't watched any of it, but I like it's travel cool. shows. So yeah, but I, I just get the sense from him like he's grown up in kind of a toxic environment where he. I feel like he is on some level quite down to earth or, or came from that background yeah. and, and doesn't like this Hollywood lifestyle. I'd say a lot of them don't. They well, just what's play his into name it. who we watched in um, in uh, what's it, Strange Times? Good Time. Good uh, Time. What's oh, his she? name? Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. He definitely seems like that character, especially watching him in that film and talking mm. about that film. Um, yeah, he likes to go off the radar. Especially because he did this Twilight craziness, mm. and now it's yeah. Batman. Yeah, I mean, I think he could be a really great Batman, mm. and he's gonna be like a lean sort of. He's gonna be like an like an Adderall addicted Batman yeah. sort of cat, you know, really fucked up mm. Batman character who isn't like buff and, oh, yeah. and and I think Ben Affleck. I'm not a huge like. I think he's fine as Batman. He's a he's like a he's almost like going back to the proper comic book version of Batman because he's he just represents the classic version of Bruce Wayne right mm-hmm. handsome and rich and a bit of a dickhead and like buff and um, where Christian Bale was a bit more complex wasn't he he had a little bit more edge maybe a bit more yeah darkness there's something there's about like, darkness in Batman. yeah there was something fucked up about that, that like I more enjoyed. than Val Kilmer more than George Clooney that was Val silly. Kilmer is a little crazy so his one was good Val Kilmer is good no he is good but um yeah it was too cartoonish the, the mm. Tim Burton ones were great but it was like it was like a cartoon mm-hmm. yeah you see that's the thing Christopher Nolan made like comic book movies edgy yeah. again Realistic. made them like adult films yeah. that could win awards and he kind of brought like a new spin on the yeah. whole thing um, he opened the gateway for all that stuff oh yeah so, I mean yeah we're kind of at the end of it now we're... I guess yeah what else is there to say I guess speaking of awards what, what happens in the end is that instead you know this has been Lars, Lars dream ever since yeah. he was a kid and, and what happens in the end is he decides that Sigrid is too talented that she needs to sing her song mm. like, he plays the piano and lets her perform lets her have her moment lets her shine yeah uh, and she hits the uh, what's it called she hits the she has a special note does she yeah she hits um the Jaja Ding Dong note. No, no, what the fuck is it called? I wrote it down. Um, plays, um, oh, it's named after the town. The song is named Hus- Hustafik. No, it's like the Sproga. Hustavik. The Sproga note. The Sproga note. The Sproga note. 
she did the spoken note. Yeah, which is like just like this high pitched, obviously Icelandic note, and she even sings in Icelandic, and then you yeah, can see the hometown really nice. being very proud of them. And yeah, it felt like a really good moment, man. I'm not gonna lie, I got some goosebumps. I might have felt mm. a bit of a joy for a moment. I'm not gonna tell you too much about that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it felt really good inside. Was it was a great moment, huh? Yeah. No, no there was like my eye was lubricant, lubricated or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I hate that. Like for a comedy movie, it was really feel good at the end and. I like to see I thought you know what uh, it's fun for everyone it's not Chinatown it's not Apocalypse Now it's not <laughs> The Godfather what but the writing I kind of enjoyed because the whole thing with the Victor uh, Carlson guy mm-hmm. who's the Icelandic banker mm-hmm. doesn't want Iceland to win because they're bankrupt so they can't afford to host the next one right that's mm-hmm. kind of the premise of why they're sending this shit team to compete mm-hmm. and then in the end um, they have a good chance of winning, but they decide to disqualify themselves because um, um, not winning, like winning doesn't mean anything to them anymore. Their their relationship collapses a bit, so they're mm-hmm. trying to s- survive their friendship, which then turns into a, a romance at the end. Mm-hmm. But um, so it kind of, I just liked how that plot worked. That, yeah. Like obviously, like it would have been bad for the story of Iceland had won and then the country's bankrupt. Yeah. But like they won in their own way and disqualified. So it, it wrapped up the loose ends of the plot in kind of like a nice way. Like I said, it's not like the greatest thing ever written, but it was like, oh, that's nice. So it works. Yeah, it didn't follow any. I mean, every every story will have cliches. You know, it has yeah. to have the plot points. They obviously have to like not be talking to each other and then they get back. You know, that, yeah. all that stuff. But yeah, there was. A, there, I didn't find the movie too. Mm. Following any major cliche moments, and they, you know, by the end, they're like they're back in their hometown, and they're kind of still doing what they always did. Yeah. But they have learned to kind of just like make peace with it, and yeah. they've already kind of gained respect. So in a way, nothing's changed other than the way they see themselves yeah. and the way the hometown people see themselves. Yeah, like Chris Brosnan, there's a great bit where when he when they have the disaster with the hamster wheel, he runs back to Iceland. Mm. And then he doesn't realise that they got through to the next stage and he's mm-hmm. on the boat with Chris Brosnan who also walked out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he was watching it at Oh home. yeah, so him and his dad both think they didn't, didn't realise, yeah. yeah. And he was like, I'm so proud of you and all. And then one of the other guys is like, but you're in the next round. And then he just jumps off the boat, which is like, yeah, he's, he's going to get hypothermia. But like, that was just a funny little scene as well. Mm-hmm. I just liked how a lot of it was set up. I thought all oh, the acting was good. Which, you know, I, I was looking up some reviews for it and most of them weren't good. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, The Guardian said it was weirdly pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? They're right, but it's also weirdly entertaining at the same time. Yeah. Like, pointless? Like, what? Like, But, like, isn't all of his films pointless? Yeah, isn't Anchorman pointless? Which is supposed to have a satire about the news industry. It's, I mean, not really. I just, people lost their sense of fun because of what's going on in the world. Everything has yeah. to have a point all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah. it's a good. It's a good break from reality. It's just silly fun for like two hours. It's great. Exactly. And I don't think it's completely useless. I think there's there's a lot of good writing in it. I think there's an interesting thing about the the songs are good. Alexa- the songs. It's a great musical number. It reminds you of ABBA. It, yeah. If you've missed the Eurovision this year because of what's happened and we yeah. haven't had one, this is. Gives you a bit of like, yes, Eurovision. Fills that gap. Fills that gap. Great music in it. The song, like I was listening to some of the soundtrack. It's good. Like there's good songs in it. Good fun. And uh, yeah, the characters are interesting. Um, what else was I going to say? The whole thing about like uh, Alexander, this, this, you know. Oh yeah. This Russian guy who's clearly, gay Russian. he's clearly a gay Russian. He's not the man, but he's like kind of trying to break them apart. There's his little play thing. But yeah, also because he wants, he wants Sigrid for himself because mm-hmm. he's actually very talented. You know, and there's that whole ploy of him trying to get seduce her, yeah. separate them, and 
I don't know, it did do some interesting stuff that happens. I wouldn't call it pointless at all. Listen, listen, what, the whole Russian thing is probably the most political it kind of gets. Mm-hmm. And it is mirroring real life politics. I mean, he he's by the end of it, he admits that he's gay and he yeah. can't be he's gay in Russia. So no. he goes off to Greece with Mitte, yeah. who's, the, who's the Greek entry to that year's mm-hmm. Eurovision. Which is kind of funny because the Greeks kind of have a bit more of a reputation of being Mediterranean mm-hmm. and naked and everybody sleeps with everyone sort of vibe yeah. so I like that sort of stereotype like a fun stereotype that maybe this American eyes looking in mm-hmm. is seeing the Russian the gay Russian has to escape to Greece mm-hmm. but then also it's like the Russian guy is trying to split up um, some Americans because, yeah well, not the Americans the the Icelandic, Icelandic, yeah. Icelandic, but like on a broader sense he's playing games with the other contestants mm-hmm. where you could say Russia is playing games with Europe politically over the last few years yeah. with some of their stuff well it's the Olympics with the Olympics <laughs> yeah. and just politically I mean didn't they mm. poison a few people in England remember all that stuff some guy was found dead on a bench and stuff and they think oh he got poisoned by some radioactive stuff and they think the Russians did it and uh, yeah but isn't that just is that sometimes not just pointing fingers? What well, this guy's point- dead. The Russians did it. No, no, but like, like there he was, was evidence. There was definitely evidence that they put like a radio. They put like like it's like fucking plutonium in his tea or some shit, and he like died. Him and his daughter died. Jesus. And they they was he was he talking bad about Russia? I'm not sure. I'd have to go back. It was yeah. a few years ago, but there was one or two. We are not talking bad about Russia. <laughs> no, just to make it clear. No, the computers died all of a sudden. Uh, not really. Uh, but yeah, so. Like, yeah, they fit in a few little stuff like that. Mm. And it's set in Edinburgh, like I said, and I've never been to Edinburgh, but it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. With this fucking castle up on the hill. and um, I mean, I if, if I can touch on one more thing, mm-hmm. uh, there's a bit in it where uh, Will Farrell is in Edinburgh and he's at a fountain. And he oh, yeah. bumps into a bunch of American, American tourists yeah. and he slags them off and tells them to go to Starbucks and stuff. Mm. Um, I kind of thought that was like a nice little fun it's like an American pretending to be European mm-hmm. slagging Americans mm-hmm. so I could identify as a European with the annoying American backpackers mm-hmm. so it was a nice way to see this on screen but Will Farrell is doing it and he's American so it's okay see he's married a Swedish woman so he's, he's got the experience kind of seeing that different perspective and the great he thing is th- those characters come back in later in the film in the only real action moment of the movie yes. which is brilliant because the Americans literally drive in on front of him yeah. for this drive chase kind of like against the clock yeah. sequence where yeah there's just ridiculous amounts of like skidding down like the Glasgow or Edinburgh Street yeah. you know and Edinburgh is you know, it's not as rough as Glasgow. Edinburgh is very like has like a very uh, old look to it. Yeah, a lot of Edinburgh has like castles and and, and old architecture. A lot of old architecture. Glad- it's beautiful. Glasgow's a little bit gritty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit. But yeah, the, the cars just like skidding down these pebble stones. Yeah, cobblestones just like doing like drifting and donuts all over the place. It's so over the top. You know, and he's like, yeah. just keep going. They're like screaming off their heads. So yeah, I kind of like that as well, that they, they're reintroduced for the action scene of the movie. And then uh, and then by the end, I think they, they come to Iceland. They backpack to they're Iceland, there and have they, a drink, yeah, yeah. and he's still having a go at them. Please go home, we yeah. don't want you here. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, it was good. It's like, it does what, like a good sort of Will Farrell, Rachel McAdams comedy should do. Mm-hmm. There's musical numbers in it, it's goofy, it has like the Pierce Brosnan character for the more mature audience mm-hmm. members to in, to enjoy 
and um, yeah and it like takes the piss out of everyone but everyone's included it takes the piss out of Ru- Russia everyone, but yeah. it also kind of makes a point of saying he's good in the end mm-hmm. and that uh, being gay is fine too so Russia should uh, should be self aware of that come on Russia and yeah like take the piss out of Americans but then you know they're part of the little action sequence and they help resolve mm-hmm. they help the main character at the end of the thing so it's like nobody's a complete write off no you know what I mean so yeah it's it's family fun it's exactly what you need during the during a pandemic, I think it came out at a perfect time. I think so. Yeah, I give it, I give it proper thumbs up. Two thumbs or one thumb? Oh, I give it two thumbs. I really, really? enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think for whatever last few comedies I've watched, I mm-hmm. definitely think it's it's up there. I I really enjoyed it. That's yeah, I had a really good time last night. I did, it. and I was very disappointed when I saw some of those. I wasn't laughing out loud. Some constantly. of those reviews. Yeah, because the the Hollywood the Hollywood Reporter Empire, the Guardian, my dad, uh, Jay, uh, Mr. Sejan, uh they all kind of uh, said it was like a bit stupid and a bit silly, and like it is, it is. But like, I just feel like, um, yeah, I mean, if it was a Holocaust drama, sure, criticize it. But it's another another Will Ferrell mm. goofy film. Like we've had, we had the semi pro, the basketball one. Mm. We had the. Uh, Blades of Glory. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had like he's done kind of sports competition. Like this isn't a new formula for him. He's done this before, mm-hmm. so it's just another in a long line. Uh, Blades. Of, I said Blades of Glory. Didn't yeah, yeah. It? What's it? There's another Blades one I'm missing as well. Anchorman doesn't fall into, but like a competition, a mm. sports thing. Dodgeball. He wasn't in dodgeball. That was Vince Vaughn. Yeah. There's another one that probably falls into it, and I feel like... I, I'd say he has another in there somewhere that we're missing, but he, yeah, he does it very well. I mean, some of them are sillier than others. Mm. You know, there's a lot of those type of films that I just can't... I'm just not really being sold on. Yeah, I mean, Blades of Glory is fantastic. So was I love Blades of Glory. I remember um, skipping school to see Semi-Pro, mm. and I think... I didn't see that one. That came out after Anchorman, so it was like living on that success. Mm. I'm not sure, I think before Blades of Glory, but anyway, me and Mark... My friend Mark Bond, we skipped school. I was nearly done and like not say his full name. Like, oh, what did they find out? <laughs> um, we skipped school and we yeah. went to see that. Can't mention. Years it, later. And it was shit. There was only one bit where he, mm. where he got hit in the stomach and he screamed about his duodenum hurting that I found funny. Other than that, it was a real letdown. I was like, I can't believe I skipped school mm. to see this. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, the other ones are great. But still, they're all just goofy. Like, who cares? You know, they're all yeah. decent efforts. They're just to make you laugh and enjoy yourself for two hours. Yeah, and I actually I like the the, the, the character of Lars and Sigrid. There's a kind of like there's a very kind of like chill out, like everything's okay kind of thing. Like yeah. you know, like really capturing that kind of relaxed vibe of that part of Europe. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. very unreactionary, in a sense. Uh, yeah, for, for most of them. Uh, and, well, yeah, and so that kind of plays yeah. into the comedy as well because he's not just doing his normal Will Ferrell thing although he is he's also doing it with almost like a new style of humour because it has mm. to be the humour of of like Iceland yeah which is do you know what I mean like there's a nuance to it there's a nu- yeah there's a nuance to there's it a, yeah. yeah there's a subtle change in his comedy for that I, I believe that he's clearly noticed through being with a Swedish woman yeah um, and just being spending more time in that region I think it's good. I like. Yeah, it's nice to see something that's set outside America. Mm. I wish they would make more Hollywood films like that. Mm. You know what I mean? For sure. I think with Netflix now, we're going to start seeing that. We already I have big so. budget shows that we have to watch the subtitles in on Netflix, like yeah. Dark, that German show. Dark. I want to see Cusack. 
Is that just what's it called? There's a show called Ozark. 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 Why do they keep that's saying that's not subtitles. That's it. That's American. Oh, is it? Okay, sorry. Uh, but oh. yeah, no, Dark. You're right. And yeah, there's a few other things that pop there's up. There's that. There's like that Spanish heist show, or maybe, yeah, it's called Heist. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh. that's the exact name of the wow. show. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, is it though? Yeah. There's some kind of show that's pretty big on Netflix. That's yeah. Spanish. Yeah. There's loads of things to watch. Um, so it's good. It's a, it's narcos. Maybe you're thinking of narcos. Narcos has a lot of Spanish in it, right? Because they're down in Mexico. Yeah. It's Pablo Escobar. It's all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Jamie gives it two thumbs up. I would give it one thumb in the mouth, one thumb in the bum. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay, like the sweets. Yeah, it's kind of like a childhood pleasure in the mouth. Mm. With a grown up pleasure, grown up. Yeah, eyes are free to look that's... wherever you want. Turns out this is a counselling session after all. <laughs> That's a good place to leave it. Let's see, we're on the right side of time. Let's not spoil it. No. Join us all next time when we cover Insert Next Project podcast here. All right, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to say, Jay? Ruin the end of that. Huh? No, I think, no I'm gonna, we're going to cut it right there. Okay. <laughs>